What is up? Welcome to Culture FC, the weekly soccer show that's not really about soccer. We cover lifestyle, fashion, music, politics, everything surrounding the beautiful game, just none of the results happening on the pitch. My name is Louie. I'm Brendan. What's up, I'm Maggie. Whether you are listening to our podcast, watching the video on YouTube, we just want to thank you for tuning in. And this week, we got into some really juicy topics we talked about uh, Pogba bringing NBA-style championship rings to the French national team. Just the women's soccer game, just smashing records. And talked about illegal streaming. And then we moved into one of the most important topics in American soccer history. Promotion and relegation. We talked about what it is, what it would look like in America. Why people are opposed to it, why people are for it, what it would mean for the soccer community, and basically dove into every little bit about promotion relegation. So it was a it was a really awesome episode. Got into some good discussion, um, and yeah. If you enjoyed this episode, we really appreciate it if you give it a thumbs up or share this episode with a friend or just subscribe and leave us a review. It just means the world to us. Uh, we want to get better at what we do every single week, and we want to put out the best content that we can. So please give us. Give us that five-star review. Give us that thumbs up. And don't forget to subscribe to both the podcast and our YouTube. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, at Trouble Soccer. And you can also find us on YouTube, at Trouble Soccer. Well, that's enough for me. Let's jump into this week's episode. All right, guys, before we get into this week's main topics, just wanted to go through a couple of little news topics that have kind of found its way to our laps here in a Culture FC headquarters in my basement. Uh, but the first one is, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Paul Pogba bought NBA-style championship rings for the national, the French national team. First of all, what do we think of this? Is it too much? And how dope do those rings look? Baller. Baller move. I love it. I'll second that. I think it's cool to see our culture seep into like French culture and like to see how prominent like an NBA NFL style ring is to an athlete who is known way more the world over mm-hmm. to like take inspiration from that. And did he buy them all? I think him, him and Griezmann. I, I'm the pretty two sure, of them? right? Yeah, and Griezmann's a huge NBA fan, so I'm not yeah. surprised by that. that, that yeah, remember his black face costume. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's one of my favorite episodes ever. Please, guys, um, if you could find that episode, I don't even remember which episode it is, but we talked about blackface, and there's a really fun story about Brendan in there. Oh so, yeah, so uh, definitely go give that one a listen. Yeah, that's Brendan's uh, like, one. damn, I wish we didn't bring that up. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, go take a look at that. It was a good one. Um, I know I'm kind of sending you on a wild goose chase here because I don't know the episode. But hey, if you find it, let us know which one it is and we'll pass the message along. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you credit too. We'll give you your credit. If I ever run for any kind of state government, <laughs> that will be found and that will be like, it, I will be impeached and or not be able to run. Well, hey, don't give away too much of the story. Well, no, I'm not. That, that just gives them more motivation to find it. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Go, someone go find that, please. <laughs> please. Yeah, I'm not too surprised. Griezmann's a huge NBA guy. I'm pretty sure Pogba is too. He's always on in vacation in the US all summer. An um, NBA jersey, so. What I like is what B said. I think that, you know, a lot of times we think about what can be brought from, like, European sports to, like, American sports culture. But I think the fact that th- these rings are super popular within the NFL, the NBA, that, like, I love that Pogba was like, you know what? We need that. Because, yeah, they have the trophy and they have the pictures, but it's also, like, you know, there's the medal, but it's also just more of, like, a, we were the ones who won that thing. Mm-hmm. Like, let's commemorate something amongst ourselves that, like, only we have. You know what I mean? Like, 
because technically think about it this way they won the world cup but germany also has world cup winner medals but only one set of people is going to have that like design of a ring and it's yeah. the people who won the french or the the people on the french team who won the 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 world cup with them so it's like they're the only people on the planet who are have or gonna have that ring and okay maybe they're not gonna wear it out but if they do that's baller dude i need i don't want i need a picture of angolo conte rocking that <laughs> ring out and about <laughs> i need happen. that that It'll never happen. He's way too conservative, but geez, if it ever does, that'll be my phone background till the day I die. <laughs> it's just like, it's super gaudy and it's so awesome. But I guess it's only like one step down from like wearing the World Cup winner's medal around your neck as you go out. Because <laughs> yeah. like, that would also you be can't bad. Really do that. Yeah. No, you can't. But like if you wore the ring, people might look at you weird, but then they're like, ah, whatever. He won the World Cup. He can do what right. he wants. And I feel like a medal, someone might snatch it off your, off your neck or something. A ring, you're not really getting that off. Yeah. Ring, rings are very popular too now. Yeah. So, I can I, see that happening. I really want to see Conte in it. I never knew I wanted that till now. How how cool! Like it's just I can't even imagine him wearing one. Like I just would love to see. Like when they gave it to him, he's probably like, "Oh my, oh my god, thank you so much!" And like the little he wouldn't even open it. it. He probably just said, "Thank you," and yep. like, held the box. <laughs> yep. If um, I, if I were a player that had one, I'm sure every day to training. Like, oh, sorry guys, give me something to take off my ring. Like, <laughs> I mean, but I also think about how ball it is because like you watch sometimes on YouTube like a player going through his like trophy cabinet of all his mm-hmm. awards and like jerseys he's worn. But now imagine right next to it, there's this fly ring. That is like it, it just I, I think of the image in my head and it's just like that's such a baller thing to have on your bookcase or your shelf somewhere. Do we know how much they cost? A lot. Yeah. I think it was five figures, probably like ten a little over ten thousand a piece, something like wow. that. Wow. And for the whole team with a twenty three man squad? It's a lot of money. Plus, yeah. plus, plus coaches, probably got for the yeah, but don't yeah, forget that's like a week for Pogba. Yeah. That's good. Pogba Not makes even. like two hundred and something thousand a week, so That's it. Don't do math with no, these players and their he's stupid. He's the earnings. third highest earner and it really pisses me off. Who's second so highest for your club? De Gea? Uh no. Um Anthony Martial. Martial no, or is more lie. than Pogba? Sorry, Pogba's second. Pogba second. Behind Marshall Sanchez, third, right? And behind Sanchez, yeah. I was going to say, Martial or more than Pogba, he needs to get out of there today. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> Alrighty, guys. Kind of keeping the similar thread to some topics that we've talked about recently. Uh, the women's game is smashing records. I don't. You guys have probably seen this. It's been kind mm-hmm. of everywhere. But basically, two different events over the last couple weeks that have really been grabbing people's attention. Uh Firstly, uh, last Sunday, Atletico Madrid set a world record for a women's club soccer uh, with a crowd of 60,739 people for a league match against Barcelona. This is a, uh, like, that's crazy. That is 60,000 people filling a massive stadium for a women's game. Like, that already in and of itself is already, like, record-breaking, and that's great showing from people who were clearly want and know that the girls can play, and they're there wanting to watch an exciting football match. Oh yeah, and it, it, for those of you who know, the Wanda Metropolitano is one is a new stadium, brand new, gorgeous stadium, huge stadium. To sell that out for a women's match is insane. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention that they couldn't fit any more people in the stadium because that's mm-hmm. the selling out of the stadium. Yeah, like people are saying, oh, but like sixty thousand, like they could probably get like eighty thousand at nope. another stadium. Like, nope. nope, this was filled up to the brim with people to watch this game, and then. Juventus, not to be outdone, uh, they demolished the Italian record for a women's match uh, with a sellout crowd of 39,000 people as well um, this past weekend. So that's really crazy, too. So, I mean, clearly, like we said a couple episodes back, this is becoming, you know, big time. Like, people are truly starting to pay attention. It's really great to see. Big time for the hooligans, too. You hear about PSG? No. So the women's PSG team, I forget who they were playing, but the fan bus 
um, was checked or something, and they found like brass knuckles and like <laughs> I actually did and, hear like, about that. What? What? On, yeah. Like, the, yeah, the PSG's away fan uh-huh. told, like bus, so they didn't wouldn't let people in and some and stuff like that. Wow. So like, if the hooligans are getting down coming from PSG to England, where I which is where I believe they played, like something's happening. That's like okay. Look, I don't want to condone any violence, and I've said this many, many times. But that's still impressive. Like that's still important. Like people are so angry and they want to get so involved. Okay, so, okay. Here's the thing: you cannot deny that hooliganism is a part of soccer, yeah, no matter how sure. you look at it. So the fact that they're now finding it important enough to go be hooligans at a women's match, in a way, it's almost endearing to a strange extent. Yeah. Right. Like even if it's okay, I'm not like I'm saying I don't <laughs> condone it again, and please don't do <laughs> it. Literally tiptoeing around this one. <laughs> I just I am saying that it's just like you know if they find it important enough. I yeah, think we should I, I get no, I get I get what you're saying. It's it's pretty badass that the women are getting all this attention finally. And because of all of this attention that the women's game has been getting, Barclays. And if you don't know who Barclays is, they have basically been the sponsor of the Premier League for forever. Basically, I think, but 15 years or something like, something like that. Barclays yeah. Premier League. It was that's what it's known for. It's a massive bank. They are big time sponsored. They just signed a three year multi million dollar contract with the English Football Association to back the Women's Super League. And so. It's very interesting because in the country that invented the sport, in the country that has one of the biggest leagues in the world, their women's league was lacking so much. And for a really long time, they were actually paling in comparison to the women's league here in the States. Um, And so the fact that Barclays is now seeing how important it is to people, the women's game, that they're actually going to back this for that. Like, that's really awesome. Yeah. I need the Chelsea women's team to go out and sign Alex Morgan. That would be cool. Pair her with Frank Kirby and just watch all yeah, the records I wonder, shatter. You know, I follow Frank Kirby on Instagram. I love Frank Kirby. She's like, I was just like, I, I want, I was like, you know what? I want to start getting more into women's soccer. I'm gonna mm-hmm. start following a bunch of women. I randomly realized that I was following Frank Kirby, and then she's like posting Chelsea yeah, stuff, yeah. and I got mad. I'm like, why am I doing this? Her and Claire Rafferty were my two favorite uh, players on the Chelsea women's team, but Claire Rafferty went to West Ham, so oh. she's gone now. But Frank Kirby, still favorite, still my so favorite. So do we now. see now? I guess with like the women's game out in Europe getting so big, do we think? Some of these players in the United States are going to start looking out there. I, mean, I know some yes. do already. Well, they play. have, they, they have, have and they already do play. But do you think there's going to be like an increase? Yes, I think. I think like so. it's going to be like college to like the Super League. Well, it's been. I mean, maybe more to the Super League in and mm-hmm. of itself, because like I said, the English game wasn't that yeah. big. I mean, like we, we we mentioned this on the podcast. Manchester United have only Manchester United have only just launched their women's team this past season. This is you know the biggest club in England. Like yeah. you just <clears> launched. You just, you just launched the women's team this year when all of your competitors have had them. For you guys laughing because the biggest team in England. No, yeah, I made a little. I had to let a cough out in there. I mean, sorry, thunder in my throat. Bite me. And I think it'll be important because people who don't want to, like, you know, maybe don't want to take the traditional soccer like a college route, like here in the states, they could just go overseas to some of these clubs and try their hand. I mean, like that's not a bad idea, especially now that one of the things we mentioned, I believe, a couple episodes back was like uh, almost like the amount of money, quote unquote, that the the women's game was bringing in. But now yeah. that you have major sponsors like Barclays getting involved, now all of a sudden, you know, people are going to start running out of excuses real quick as to why they're not paying the women like fairly and things of that nature. So. Overall, I think these stories are great, and I'm very happy, especially uh, with the Women's World Cup coming in the summer. Um, I think it's really important that the game is finally starting to get this kind of attention in Europe. Yeah, it's it's honestly it's a perfect time for them to get to be in all this hype. Where is it being held this in year? France? In France, ooh la la, <laughs> <laughs> croissant, <laughs> baguette. Ah, uh, we oui. Franck Ribéry. <laughs> 
Does that count? It's a dude's name. <laughs> I made it sound French. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. I'll, I'll take that. <sighs> but all right, moving along to our last uh, little news topic before we go on to the big juicy one. Uh, three guys have been jailed for a combined 17 years for providing illegal Premier yeah. League streams. Have you? Did you guys see that? I did, dude. I, did. I was wondering where all my free streams were. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, like. No, no doubt. I've contributed to these guys' jail sentence. I apologize, boys. <laughs> I mean, I th- I thought the story was so important for us here in the states because I-, I know that for me, what sustained my soccer love for so long were illegal streams. Oh, same for a very long oh, time. Very long, and still are because NBC's on some bullshit putting games behind paywalls this season. So illegal streams have been my mm. go-to. I mean, the probably- amount of illegal stream Chelsea games I watch, I can't even. I probably shouldn't be admitting this after three guys got sentenced to prison, but you know, whatever. Yeah, point. The amount point. of free <laughs> seven agent, days football trials I've gone through. Oh my! Oh, gosh. see, that's legal though. I, yeah, yeah, you're good like, there. So you're good. You're not going still. to jail. Me and Louis. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep thinking about it. I'm like, imagine them going to prison, and it's like, hey, bud, what are you in for? Oh, uh, I, I, I don't know. I stabbed somebody, or I did this, and then like, what are you in for? Oh. I provided a stream for a couple games. Like, come on now. I provided a legal stream at the Champions League final, man. Watch <laughs> out. Um, but they made money off of it. Yeah, so, they made like f- over five mil. I think. And that was the key point here. Because at first I was like, dude, this is so ridiculous. I can't believe the Premier League is like ruining free streams. Like that's putting your product out there. It's like yeah. marketing for you in a way. But then I read that they were providing these streams to like pubs and other places. And I'm like, all right, so you're uh, basically cheating, stealing someone's stream to then restream it to someone else who's paying you. And yeah, so yeah, yeah it kind of makes sense as to why they're going to jail. It does. It does. If you're making millions off of these streams, I yeah. hate to say it, but it makes sense. And so, you know, I, I just want to, you know, condemn them, but also give a shout out to the guys who are still giving up the free streams because you know what? Not all heroes wear capes and you should be recognized for the hard work that you do for no money. So and thank hard you. work, it doesn't even do it, dude. Like the amount of ads you have to click through and certain like different things you need to do in order to watch some of these free streams. It's like yeah. these people are really out there with their necks on the line giving us our content and, and we, we, we commend you. So thank kinda. you for that. Just came in. That's actually pretty great. Yeah. Apparently, uh, Raheem Sterling was subject to racist chants versus Montenegro today. Oh, uh, fuck but he, but he scored, or he, I'm pretty sure he scored. This is a couple. Oh, did you so. see the guy? I forget who it was. I saw it on the news today. Walked right off the field. Yeah, there was a dude in a, Brazil. It was he was a Brazilian dude in a what league was it? Oh my god, I'm having. I remember seeing it. He literally, I think, was about to take a corner or something, yeah. and then he just and like fuck this. I'm done. He was getting abuse from the fans near the corner flag, and he was like, you know what? I'm out. Just walked off the field and just like refused yep. to play. He just like walked off yeah. and like hopped hopped the sideline super calmly too. Like he was somebody, pissed. Somebody said, oh, Gilson. Gilson actually sent this to me to me and Lou earlier today. Yeah, and he was like, I, I watched the interview after, and he was getting, like, emotional. He was like, I just fucking couldn't take it anymore. No, and it's From like, good start. for him. Good for him to yeah. call that out. And he I think he says something along the lines of, like, until all the players in this league, like, band together and just, like, refuse to play, nothing's going to change. So I thought it was a pretty cool call to arms being like, hey, if y'all don't start taking stances, this shit is going to keep happening and it's going yeah. to keep growing. Um, but I, like, it just baffles me that, Raheem Sterling gets so much hate in England. Like, dude, it's the craziest thing. Like, he's currently right now might be the. No, I'll say he's the best English player. He's I the best player on that team. Than Harry Kane. 
Yeah, he, well, yeah, right yeah, now, I right now, for Sterling sure. In this season, has been much better than Harry Kane. I agree. And so, on a global landscape, you have your best player, and he gets nothing but fucking hate yeah. everywhere he goes. He can't even do something nice for his family without getting right. bullshit from him right. because he's a black man. Like, come on, it, now it's it makes ridiculous. no sense. That you're mad. You're mad at this guy, even though he's putting your national team on his back. Because he's black? Just because he's a non-white player doing this? That's crazy. It's absolutely ridiculous to me. But, I mean, I will say, like, he's been getting a lot of support lately. Like, Paul Pogba's been on yeah, his side, like, that. talking about it. It's been really cool yeah, to see people I mean, banding around him. Honestly, me personally, black, white, purple, I don't care. If you score for my national team, I'm going to wear your jersey. Absolutely. I mean, I me, like, look, don't get me wrong. Big Man United supporter, fucking hate City, and Raheem Sterling played for both Liverpool and City. So, you know, in theory, I don't want him to do well, but the dude's a baller. Like, yeah. I'm, I, I cannot lie. He yeah. is such a good footballer that like what am i supposed to be like, it's like true. no like it's you true. just have to look at it like, but Dude, you're good at what you do and that's kind of it i'll be honest when you first left the city or anything i was like a oh, flop bust thought so city's too. city's dumb for this and i beat my words there yeah we're we were so the we over here it. well yeah because you guys sold raheem sterling for no reason <laughs> it's silly but uh, that's besides yeah. the don't, don't look at me and say they're born in solo though <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't say those names to me but alrighty, guys, moving along to this week's big, juicy, main, 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 main topic. <laughs> Over 100 clubs outside of Major League Soccer have signed a letter to the United States Soccer Federation president, Carlos Cordero, and FIFA president, Johnny Infantino, calling for promotion and relegation. Um, this is very, very big news. Uh, and also, I've been seeing that that number of teams on this letter have actually risen since the original article came out. More teams have started pledging their support for it. And right now, there's about 200 clubs outside of the MLS who have been calling for promotion and relegation. Um, as you f- folks hopefully know or maybe don't, uh, Major League Soccer and the United States Soccer Federation have sta- taken a very staunch stance. Staunch, yeah. yeah. That works, that works. That a, that's how thing people say things, right? Yeah, that's yeah. staunch. Although you yeah. say ranch, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> they have taken a very, I'm going to just say strong. They have taken a very strong <laughs> stance. <laughs> no, but staunch is loyal and committed in attitude. Okay, fine. But it's also a tongue twister. And, okay. <laughs> they have taken a very staunch stance against promotion and relegation in the United States for probably close to 20 years now. Yeah. Um. So... Before we start to dive into this article and what this means, I kind of just want to take a step back and examine, A, what is promotion relegation and why people want it in the first place? Because I know that some people in the States, maybe it's gotten to a point now where a lot of people understand promotion relegation, but a lot of people probably still don't really get it and what it means. Yeah, Sarah, if you're listening, pay attention to this. Because a little birdie told me you had, you had some problems with uh, promotion relegation. <laughs> oh, babe, I love you. I hope you are listening to this. Um, love you too if you aren't where's your support <laughs> <laughs> but anyway all around the world soccer leagues are structured in a way that resembles a pyramid where the top division is the highest level of soccer in that country below the top division there's another league that is considered the quote-unquote second division and below that there's the third and so on and so forth this continues kind of all the way down the pyramid this is important because everywhere else in the world clubs can move up or down this pyramid based on their results and how they finish their season. So, in other words, the worst team in the top division gets moved down or relegated to the bottom league, while the top teams in the bottom division get moved up or promoted to the upper division. Um, to try and compare this to something in the in the United States, it would be kind of like Imagine that the NBA is the top of the basketball sporting pyramid and that the G League is like the second division. Like we all understand the G League is kind of the second division for basketball, yep. but 
it's more of a developmental league. It, they don't really see it as it's like, yeah, it's professional, but it's also more about developing the players than it is about the sport. So Yo, I didn't even know the G League existed. Well, B, there you go. You learn something new today. You, you learn something new every day. But now imagine that in 2018, instead of getting the number one overall pick in the draft for being really, really bad, the Phoenix Suns, one of the worst teams in the NBA last year, had to trade places with the best team in the G League, being the Austin Spurs, who won the G League uh, championship as kind of punishment. Essentially, the Suns, instead of being rewarded with the number one pick in the in the draft and being able to make their team much better, they essentially would get punished and lose a ton of money for being out of the NBA. Um, and like, why is that important? It basically allows clubs to dream and move up the pyramid, and it basically means that no matter where you play the sport, it's it's more of like a, a like being able to dream, and it means that every single game matters, not just because the players are developing, but because the game in and of itself matters, and the teams matter, and it means that everything matters you're not just doing stuff for something weird that like it's weird in american sports we have so many mechanisms like mm. the draft and the playoffs and all-star game and things of that nature that in a weird way kind of both make the game better in terms of an entertainment standpoint but also really kind of pervert the sport in a way yeah we, we kind of reward losing in a sense and some teams even take a strategic approach to losing right like right now for using the nba as keeping the nba as an example zion williamson every team wants him he is if a baller. Absolutely. If your team's not doing great, you're definitely looking saying, hey, maybe trot a bad lineup or two out there. See if you can lose a game or two and get closer to Zion. Why wouldn't you? We'll get back to the NBA comparisons, but uh, uh, what's really interesting is that some of the most watched games all over the world in terms of soccer, uh, they are usually contests in promotion relegation uh, leagues where the teams are in danger of being relegated. Yeah. It's... It's those are the ones that are like super tense where it's like, crap, if we lose this, we're not going to be able to be in this top league and make all this money mm. and be able to do the things that our club is like accustomed to or whatever. And it's usually the most dramatic uh, late game kind of situations that we all love as general sports fans. All of us support big, big prem clubs. Obviously, we don't worry too much about relegation, but playing a team that's facing relegation, it makes it hell for your team. Yeah. If you're in a title race, and you have a couple games left. You don't want to play the, the team in. 18th 19th 20th place because they're they're playing their they're playing for their ass you know what i mean you don't want to face that as crazy it is as it is you don't want to yeah and even in some some cases those teams perform because yeah because their backs are against the wall. their ass exactly and they have to essentially claw their way out and those games are i love what you said it's not mm -hmm. always just about like you know oh you know chelsea has to go play uh who's in the relegations like like fulham or whatever but you know that fulham if they lose they're out so you know that they have an extra fire up their ass right, versus right. chelsea might be like man we literally have a champions league game or sorry <laughs> have a europa <laughs> league game in like four <laughs> days and so we're just gonna maybe not play our strongest lineup or whatever and it happens with like you know united and liverpool and everybody they might look at the relegation uh battle or the relegation team's matches and being like you know what maybe this game will be easier but sometimes it's not and it makes for really good games you know so why does pro promotion relegation matter it's because that like we said in a closed system like we have here in the united states it really like it's like we said it just all it does is promote mediocrity and it just means like oh you're gonna be bad well nothing's gonna happen to you right you look at teams that like oh you have no like, you have really really bad attendance where there's only so i i retweeted a picture this week on uh trouble's instagram account of someone taking a picture of the crowd at gillette stadium for the revs I playing cincinnati oh, and it was like 
they they announced that ten thousand people were at the stadium, but I I kid you not, in the picture, maybe there was less than a thousand people at that stadium. Yeah, if they're telling me that's ten thousand people, I just don't believe it. It's it's to the point where it's just like you know, bad attendance, nothing happens to you. Bad coaching, nothing happens to you. Mm-hmm. It essentially just creates this thing where billionaires get to play in this little playground where they're like, oh, we get to have a sports team, but there's no repercussions for us being bad. Um, and basically, one of the the trying to dive into why promotion relegation matters more for the general public. You know, in America, we love Cinderella stories, right? We love the fact that like. You know, I'm I for whatever reason I'm thinking uh, Wichita State a couple years back in March Madness right, or right. any time like there's well, a yeah, what was that, that team left with the old lady I can't remember their name. Oh right, that where she was the biggest supporter of right, them. Right, right, like, yeah, yeah. Everybody loved that kind of like Cinderella story of the of the small little school who's making a deep run into the tournament who managed to make that uh, um, that tournament on like what mm. some really lucky play or whatever. That's why every time Arsenal played Bayern, you root for Arsenal. You want the small team you to do something. <laughs> small team, dude. <laughs> you root uh, for the under, for the underdog, the small team. And so you know, we you understand that people in America love that underdog story yeah. of the ability to get behind a team that's like, man, these guys probably shouldn't be there, but they're doing bits. Like those stories in a closed system don't really ever happen at all. I mean, like some of the most talked about stories in the Premier League or in the Bundesliga or any league around the world is when uh, one of the relegation, f- ba- like one of the, rele- voila. one of the relegation, the relegationing? Louis <laughs> <laughs> is really struggling with the word relegation. Dude, I cannot speak today. It is absurd. The word relegation on a scoreboard has about four. Louis <laughs> has zero. <laughs> Some of the most talked about stories in like soccer around the world, it's when that relegation battling team pulls out an upset win over one of the top dogs. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, where did that come from? And all of a sudden all of the papers are talking about it. And as much as we love that in America, we're never going to have a Leicester City no. in this current system. No. And in my opinion, the Leicester City story of when they won the Premier League was one of the greatest sporting stories ever told. These guys were in the third division not all that long before they won the Premier League. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they got promoted. They got promoted slowly. They built themselves up. They had that dream. And then... And remember remember that epic playoff they had against, who was it, Watford, was it? Oh, right. right they lost get into that. the remember, Premier they League. they lost that. And they could have crumbled from there, but... They fought back. They fought back. They they got promoted, and then shortly thereafter, they won the Premier League, and they've been mainstays ever since. All because they signed one godly man named Angolo Conte. I think there were a few other reasons, but I will not (laughs) lie that Angolo Conte was very, very important to that team. Um, But you know, it, it just. I really just I like to compare it to March Madness because we all love it when the small uh, the small school from a small division makes it so deep into the tournament. The American media eat it up like it's like mm-hmm. cake. They literally just lap that. One shit team on. does it every year, and the media always loves it. And so, right there, to me, that's another point as to why this needs to be instilled in American soccer already. Like that's just it's important because we love that crap like we're americans we love that crap so why don't we do that with our soccer when everyone else does you know um but you know another really big point that we've already kind of touched on is the fact that it would sharply increase the number of genuinely competitive clubs also then augmenting like young american talent to be able to receive like top-notch instruction in the process like right now there's you know mls has you know however 24 25 whatever how many teams there are but that's kind of it. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, the USL and like the other quote unquote divisions in America, which I don't like to say that they are because there's no real 
like I said, there's no promotion relegation. So I don't really consider them to be like a division two. They're all just disparate leagues. There aren't that many opportunities for players to really develop in the States. Like there are, of course, but not in a professional setting, if, if, if that makes sense. No, I get what you mean. Um, and so, you know, competition is healthy. We're in a capitalist society where we know that competition is the root of our society's economics. You know what I mean? You want, like, if you're a pizza shop, you need to have competition from the other side because it makes both of you better in a sense. You know what I mean? And so having promotion relegation and allowing smaller clubs to develop players, like, you know, some of the biggest players in the world got developed by a small time club. And maybe that club isn't in the top division, but they produced some of the best talent on the planet. You know what I mean? Maybe they discovered them. And so that alone right there is a reason that I think people in America should get behind promotion and relegation just because of that alone. Because if we want to develop American talent, why not develop it everywhere and comb through all of the talent by having plenty of teams, um, because of the and we've said this on the podcast before about how american soccer today it's pay to play it's mostly the richer kids who get into the better clubs that have a better chance of making it to the pros because of the closed system that we have because it is a rich boys club at the top and because the united states soccer federation is in bed with the mls so deeply that they've been able to do that and no one's been able to stand up to them but I bet you that over the last 20 years, there have been a lot of players who have been swept under the rug just because they didn't have the money to make it. They didn't have the money to make a travel team or whatever. And so you might be thinking, but what does that have to do with promotion relegation? Doesn't that mean that we just have to change the academy system? Well, by changing promotion relegation and allowing more clubs to exist in a setting where they understand that their existence isn't just meaningless or isn't just to you know develop players and give them a real hope of achieving something as every club wants to do... That means that more clubs are going to pop up and that means that more academies are going to pop up and that means that that we're going to be able to spread our reach to be able to reach every single possible soccer player in America. And yeah, you could tell me that there's other ways that we could do that, but I don't see a quicker or better or better integrated one than just creating a unified pyramid within American soccer to have that happen. Yeah, I agree, I agree with everything you said there, honestly. And not having promotional relegation, it just it breeds complacency. You know what I mean, Robert Kraft doesn't have to Let's be honest, doesn't really care much about the doesn't Reds. Do why, why does he have to? Either way, they'll be they'll be playing at Gillette. They'll be playing in the MLS next year. He doesn't care. Absolutely. Yeah. And they'll make enough money that it's still a viable investment for him. Exactly. It's still worth it for him to have him doing that. Threaten him with relegation. Threaten him with his team not not getting all that all that revenue that he's used to. Maybe he'll have to turn things up, turn things up a notch or two. And I like the point that Louis made about like the academies and stuff. You know, like growing up playing soccer, like my family wasn't about to shell out a couple grand to let me go play more soccer when I could spend like 150, 200 bucks just to play on a town team. But now what if that town team wasn't just like a small little thing for the kids? What if that town team also had a professional level where they're competing at uh, a level that made sense to them, where it made sense for them to actually be able to compete for something and potentially move on up? And that means that, you know, that hope, I think, is the most important part of promotion and relegation whenever we talk about it. It's the fact that, like, you know... if you exist as a club, you want to achieve something and achieving something means you have more success and that means that you can bring more money and that means that you can help your community out. And that's the whole point about soccer. It always came from the community. It always came from the working man. It was always the working man's sport. You know, there've always been other sports for, you know, the rich or the more elitist people to enjoy. But ever since the inception of soccer, it's always kind of been about the people all over the world. Um, and so, you know, 
if a town team like ours that didn't that that you know it stops at U12 I believe now or U14 I don't think they have a higher oh, wow. I don't yeah, think they have either. they don't have anything higher than that anymore because from there it's high school because then it becomes high school or club team or whatever mm-hmm. it is but those club teams are expensive and so you know it it should be about the community and if these clubs have hope of being able to be like oh but if you know if we win this season we can move up and you know those kids now have a, a better path to the professionals because right now if you play for you know our our town club was Framingham United right you just knew that you're playing there to play with some buddies get a little bit better and that was kind of it for you you didn't take the sport yeah, any person or two it's about it <laughs> hey dude you 16 2000 and whatever year I was there we we went all the way sure but then what happens after you guys won the state championship what happened we got some cool medals and then <laughs> a t-shirt or two but then after that nothing there was no Sadly. path there was nothing that led from framingham united u16 to and that's where i peaked <laughs> so, I, didn't, I didn't know you did that i'm sitting next to a legend huh? yeah dude <laughs> m talk champs i still got my t-shirts so like like that you're the perfect example like if there were there if there had been a level where it was the professional level at framingham united whatever that meant even if there was like i don't know 18 levels below the top top league in america I'd probably you- make the bench. <laughs> <laughs> but but you made it. You, That's what yeah. matters. And like you would then be able to that team would hopefully then have the progression of being, oh, we just won state champs. The core of these players are going to move up to the yep. professionals and maybe our club can become a division seven team and bring some more money back to the club. Maybe we can get, you know, new benches or bleachers for the Ugh. club and like you could start building upon it. And that's what there's no hope now. Like, that's it. Yeah. The clown, the, the town clubs, that's it. There's a there's a ceiling. They can't go past that. They're like, oh, well, we rely so much on donations and fundraising, but that's kind of it. Hmm. And what's super interesting about this is that by FIFA mandate, by in other words, international law of the game that every team and every league that is FIFA sanctioned in the world has to follow. FIFA mandates that they have promotion and relegation. It is in FIFA's law book of of how like leagues exist in the world to get FIFA sanctioning. So you're thinking, well, that's weird. Uh, why doesn't the MLS? Yeah, I was literally thinking that. It's a mandate, and you're like, well, so how are they getting around it? Well, the truth is money. Exactly. We, <laughs> Mr. There have been so many stories about, uh, you know, we did a whole episode on FIFA corruption, and I don't even know if we dove too deep into the fact that CONCACAF is one of the most corrupt uh, bodies, uh, organizing bodies of soccer in the world, despite the fact that we've never even had like a major tournament winner in CONCACAF, aside from our own tournaments here at the Gold Cup. But like, it's weird, man. Like, that's, it, it's one of those things that, you know, because of money, FIFA's been allowing the MLS to and the United States Soccer Federation to slide because the two of them are in bed with each other. They honestly just get a free pass with this. It's a little bullshit, and I think that yeah, that's very bullshit. Actually. In reality, the letter that we mentioned at the start of uh, talking about this topic, that's one of the things that they were trying to uh, impose. They were basically like, "Hey, you know." Um, before MLS and United States Soccer Federation's argument was that clubs didn't exist and we didn't have this structure, but. Here we are, almost 200 of us asking for this to be imposed because you've made it a law and these guys are part of, of FIFA and yet you're letting them have a free pass. Yeah, if you're a club or if you're a team in the lower divisions, you've got to be furious about that. Aside from the ones that are owned by other MLS teams. So That's what true. you got to remember is that MLS, they all have their own teams that they own, but the quote-unquote second division in America... Um, I'm pretty sure a majority of those clubs are owned by MLS teams. So you have really? Toronto FC 2, Seattle Sounders 2, Atlanta United 2. Like you have these like quote unquote second teams that they're okay. They're following the Spanish model where each of these Spanish teams have 
a, a, a B team, but that B team isn't allowed to be promoted to the first division. Right. And yeah. so it's a weird <clears throat> law that works in Spain that I don't really like, but it is what it is. It, but at the same time, when a majority of the league is owned by the league above, doesn't that seem weird to you? Yeah, it definitely kind of makes you think of like the MLB, like all these like farmer teams. It's yeah. like so like the only real path to success as an MLS wannabe would be joining an academy team and playing your heart out and hopefully getting the chance to get called up. Yeah, but now for you to get that academy to But you already got to pay money. Because you have to join a good club team yeah. before the academy team even looks for you because a lot of these clubs don't even have their own academy systems. No. And or they used to. Now they I mean the MLS has mandated so after a f- several years they all of these MLS teams are starting to develop academies but for the vast majority of their existence they didn't have an academy system and they were relying on these other clubs like town club not really necessarily town clubs but these other uh clubs to filter players to them and so it's it's just a mess overall Um, and so in reality the MLS and you the USSF will make the argument that you know oh we don't have enough clubs there's not enough of a structure for this um but in reality all they're doing is protecting their billionaire owners because the truth is uh when someone buys a team in the mls they're giving the mls a ton of money just to exist as a franchise within the mls and like it's something i think in the region of 250 million dollars if not more and so these people don't want to give that money to the mls to then be like oh wait but now you're telling me my club can be relegated but that i think is the inherent fault as to why that model doesn't work why did they have to pay the MLS for a club? Why didn't? Why don't we just have a system where if I was a millionaire and I wanted to create a club, why don't I just build a club? Why do yeah. I have to pay the MLS money? Why don't I take that money and invest in the infrastructure in a city and then say, you know what? We now have a club. It has a stadium. You now have $250 million, but your money wasn't just given to some random fucking corporation over here that's just that happens to be the one in charge of the top division of the sport in your country. Like, that doesn't make sense to, to me. Does it to you? No. No, not at all. Like, you have to pay these people just to be a club? That's not how soccer works. Like, it, it's just, it doesn't make sense. And then the other argument of like, oh, but like, you know, there's not enough clubs, there's not a structure. That may have been true back in 98, 99, 2001. Um, because what people have to also understand is that the MLS almost folded twice. So in reality, if it wasn't for this, these millionaires... Uh, payments and money the league would have folded so it's a double-edged sword right so here i'm thinking i'm arguing all for pro well but i also understand why the mls existed the way it did for so long because of the fact that they almost folded twice and they had to fold a couple teams like the miami uh it was the tampa bay mutiny and the miami fusion two teams in florida that just couldn't attract people they had to fold them and they were there were talks that the mls were about to fold as a league and so I get it. The United States Soccer Federation had to step in and kind of subsidize it. And billionaire and millionaire owners had to also subsidize it. But we've gone to a point now where the game is so much bigger in America than it's ever been. Yet we still find ourselves in a situation where the MLS has a very tight knit control over everything that happens in American soccer. And it's like, but you're just one league. You shouldn't have that much control. And so you might be thinking, so what changed from, you know, early 2000s to today that means that you know people actually care about soccer well to me i think the introduction of the premier league and the accessibility via tv deals and also the internet and the illegal streams we talked about at the beginning of the episode shout out to you guys what up miss you guys uh that changed it because the truth meant that all of a sudden people who wanted to support soccer they could they could watch 
the prem i mean the three of us watch and support our clubs very easily from america i i've been following manchester united since 2010 like there this is a long time or 2008 whenever it was 2009 whatever it was because i I watched you collapse during what the 09 final yeah it wasn't fun yeah no it was (laughs) but you know what i'm saying like very easy to support a club from overseas from the states and you know at the time you looked at it in one of two ways okay, I can support my shitty MLS side or because of the internet and television, I can support Wayne Rooney and Manchester United. Wh- who do you think I'm picking? You think I'm going to go support the Revs in 2008? Okay, yeah, they might have a decent team, but absolutely not. And I feel like it's culminated to a point now where like these new MLS teams are being introduced to the league and their fans are displaying these shows of faith that mirror that of a premier league team like even this year fc cincinnati we saw a video of i don't know how many thousand people walking down the street you you go to the gillette stadium dude and you think you're gonna see that like no way but these new teams who have fostered this sense of pride have totally shattered all previous beliefs and to your point exactly i think that's another argument that mls could use and they'd be like oh but look at the support fc cincinnati atlanta have been able to generate and i'm like yeah, okay, so you have a 24-team league, and in reality, your fame and success and growth is being carried by about four or five of these teams. Yeah. Portland Timbers, Seattle Sounders, Atlanta, uh, FC Cincinnati, uh, you know, these clubs, and LAFC, these clubs that are, you know, they are making connections with their communities, and we've spoken extensively about those clubs in particular on this podcast. Look through our episode titles. We've done episodes on pretty much all of them, minus LAFC and FC Cincy. Maybe coming, but, uh, you know, they are they've been the exception not the rule look at like colorado look at new england them sucking and having a thousand people at the stadium what's gonna happen next year they're gonna continue sucking and only a thousand people are gonna show up at the stadium look at the texas teams they can't draw a crowd to save their lives like people in texas care more about high school american football where there's eight 16 year olds giving themselves brain damage than going to the mls uh games in their own like in their own state and it's just it's baffling to me and so that that ability to support your club from far away has created a very weird disconnect in america you have people like us who have supported european soccer and for us that is soccer or at least global football and global soccer you know we all support english teams we love the champions league as most people do because of the quality of the sport but it's created this weird little disconnect between american soccer fans who support mls clubs and the people who support soccer in America who don't necessarily follow along with the MLS. Over the last couple of years, I've been giving the MLS another try because in reality, I may not agree with the league, but I love seeing what clubs are doing to, with their supporters. With Atlanta United, for example, Seattle, Portland. Those were the clubs that made me start paying attention to American soccer, not because of necessarily the play on the field, but what it means to those people. Because I didn't realize that, you know, it could mean so much to people in America to have a hometown club that they support. And it does. And so I like the MLS more for, you know, LAFC selling out their stadium or Atlanta United packing the Mercedes-Benz with 70,000 people. I like it more about that than I, because I don't agree with the league. I don't think they do things very correctly, but I like the fact that that happens. But we find ourselves in the situation in America where there's two kind of distinct groups of people who support the sport, love the sport, but love it in different ways. And that to me, I think makes a, I th- it makes an argument for promotion and relegation because I think that a good way to bridge the gap between these two groups of people and to really popularize soccer in America 
I think adding pro promotion relegation in, in a full open system would make the people who are typically 100% just Euro soccer guys or just international soccer guys start to pay attention to their hometown club because, you know, America's a massive fucking country, right? You know, we don't live near Gillette Stadium. It's no. like a 45-minute drive. It's not necessarily It's not close. a fun drive to get to. And it's really not. And there's really only one way in and one way out of Foxborough. So if it's a game where there's a bunch of people, you get stuck in traffic. It's really not the greatest no. commute, you know. Okay, sure, some cities have uh, teams downtown. But even so, the vast majority of people live in suburbs in America. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like, if we were to have a system where, I don't know, a, a, cl a club would be able to pop up a little bit closer to us. Like, okay, so there's a city near us called Worcester. Probably get to Worcester in 20 minutes. Yeah. If they were able to build a stadium and build a team, I would go watch. Same. Yeah. yeah. Same. For, for a cheap amount, a good pint mm -hmm. of beer with some buddies and go watch some, uh, go watch a game that's Absolutely. more local. If it was more accessible, I'd 100% be, be at every game I could get to. And even just to touch upon like the MLS a little bit, uh, I don't know how many years, maybe it's just this year, but the pundits that they've been getting now... I've been seeing more and more English speaking from England commentators. Oh, that's not been a new thing. They've done that from like for a while now because they realize that people kind of trust the English yeah. more. And so it's funny, like, okay, so you 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 want to get English commentators because like they have the knowledge of the sport, despite the fact that some of them suck. They they pull these guys over and they're like, oh yeah, like they they're so knowledgeable knowledgeable about the sport. You know, what they're also knowledgeable about. They have promotion and relegation in their system. Why don't yep. we accept that? Why don't we go, ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah, accept all of all of it. You know what I mean? And so something that I found fun as I was kind of making my notes for this 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 episode, I was like, what would promotion and relegation actually look in a look like in America? Because I said, country's so vast, and you're probably thinking, man, but like, you know, England's a small country, France is a smaller country, Germany's a smaller country. Like, they you can't you can't instill promotion and relegation in America. Well, let me dive into my notes here because i i've thought of a way where this would make a lot of sense well, let's hear this um first off though quick shout out to bay state soccer league here in massachusetts they actually have a three-tiered system in place for the clubs that play in this league sure it's a newer ish league and these teams are starting to come up now but the fact that i didn't realize this until a couple weeks ago that there was a league in my own state that has a quote-unquote kind of promotion relegation within itself is kind of cool but unfortunately they can't go past what they're in control of so yeah okay yeah they could be they could have the best team in the Bay state soccer league but that's kind of the limit they can't move up into i don't know another league and then up to mls it's just kind of that but anyway shout out to them that i just think it's awesome that i didn't know that and they're doing it so um but along with my ideas for promotion and relegation i'm going to start with their idea right so i think that how it would work in america would be this uh, in a state like ours, Massachusetts, not that big. Um, but if, you know, there have been clubs popping up everywhere. There's actually clubs all over Boston that are like a little bit smaller amateur. Uh, you have Boston City, Boston Siege, uh, Providence City, because Providence isn't very far. You have a lot of these clubs kind of popping up everywhere. Essentially, the best way I think would be is to start at the state level. Essentially create uh, the first tier of the league within each state, right? And if your state's too big, maybe separate your state by, I don't know, north, south, northeast, northwest, and kind of draw it out that way. Um, but essentially, you know, you would have a team in Springfield, one city in, in Massachusetts, and then a team in Worcester, another team in Massachusetts, and they would all play each other. And then if there were too many teams within that state, maybe the next tier up would be, you know, the second division of that, uh, of that state. And then you kind of go up from there. And then 
once you promote from there, you go to, for us, let's say New England. It would be like the New England League, and that would be the next level above that. And so all of a sudden, you'd have a team in Massachusetts playing up through the ranks in Massachusetts. Once they reach the top, they can go, okay, cool, we'll play New England, which incorporates like six states of the Northeast. And all of a sudden, it's like, all right, once you're in the the... Uh, New England League, maybe there's two tiers of that because there's just so many teams, so many states. But then once you get to the top of that, maybe there's the Northeast Division League where it's all of the Northeast of America where all of a sudden you're incorporating, uh, you know, New York State, Pennsylvania, New Jersey potentially and kind of go up from that way. And then once you get to that, maybe you do an East-West League and then you kind of get once you finally get up to the top, which could be called whatever, Major League Soccer, whatever it is. Um, but essentially kind of build it up from the very local level and kind of go from there. I kind of built that up to be a little bit more heftier than I no, thought. Yeah. <laughs> cool. no, I thought well that thought out. just uh, made sense. Um, and, you know, why is that important? It's because we should be able to grow our own sport with our own communities. Like I said, the, the sport's about the community. You know what I mean? Like it's about helping people. And I think the heart of soccer is, is why people love it so much. Mm-hmm. It's just a guess in my opinion. Like, other sports if your team loses you don't get angry for three days you don't leave the stadium or whatever pissed off like egg and i have been in many celtics games they lose they lose a lot because apparently i'm bad luck every time we <laughs> no, go it's but true you are we still go drink after we go have every fun like no one's exactly. ever really upset at the end of the game yeah because the game the, the regular season games don't matter mm-hmm. okay it might be a little bit different if we go to a playoff game yeah that that won't hurt a little more but but then you think about it, it's like you go to regular season games, you're spending your money to watch the team, but at the end of the day, does the result matter all that much? No, because at the end of the day, if you're, I mean, if you're going to support a decent team, you know you're choosing every time, ah, oh, well, they'll get it right for the playoffs. Right. I mean, you know that's I mean? been my stance on the Celtics all year. I'm like, they've been kind of shitting the bed here and there and right. losing some silly games, but you also know that play they they're gonna make the playoffs and that the games really only matter till the exactly, playoffs. exactly whereas last week i watched chelsea lose two to everton and i'm furious for two days because we're in the middle of a cha- of a top four race <laughs> top four what the hell are you doing dropping points to everton oh man i remember the top four i'm in top four you're in the top four i know like i remember oh, battling you remember oh you're back i remember battling for the top four now it's just battling for one it's so weird you'll be back soon i know <laughs> it's cyclical dude it's all cyclical Unless you got a chic pain for all your shit. Just wait till Mane somehow signs for Real Madrid. Dude, oh god, I can see it. Dude, I can't believe that leak. And I so, <laughs> and what's even funnier about this is that the argument that goes against MLS and promotion relegation is like, oh yeah, but clubs aren't ready for it. Um, here's a funny stat for you. Uh, talking about Chattanooga FC, the team that we mentioned a couple weeks back, they just did a friendly against the club and pulled in 7,000 real people to their game and then i think about that image of the revs playing in front of maybe a thousand people claiming mm-hmm. it was ten thousand and i'm just like no way it's so bogus that a team chattanooga that comes from a city that really they have i think what under two hundred thousand people if i'm not mistaken living in it the mls would have never considered them as a club they would they would look at it from a business side and be like oh but chattanooga's not really a big market they don't put this right. it's not next it's not a metropolitan city you're not making a sporting decision about a sport you're making a business decision and it's like I would much rather see Chattanooga FC in the uh, in the top division of American soccer than I would currently see the Revs. Yeah. Okay, like yeah. maybe the level of play, if we were to transplant this team right now into it, wouldn't make sense. But what I'm saying is if they're able to draw in 7,000 people for a friendly in Chattanooga and the Revs aren't even able to pull in a real 10,000 people to a stadium that fits 70,000, like... 
Something just isn't right when you it, look at those, in my opinion. It just shows how poor of a product we're putting on the field, you know what I mean? And the Reds can get away with doing that because who's going to stop them? What, what, what punishment is there? Oh, no, another losing season? Whatever. See you again next year. Here's a couple of draft picks to pick some people out of college. Exactly. Congratulations. Exactly. You're rewarded for it. There's no punishment. There's nothing, nothing holding you accountable for putting out that shitty product. Exactly. And it's just like, you know, it's such a despairing thing where this year there's actually been an issue with a lot of teams in the MLS not being able to draw in the crowds that they're accustomed to or that they were expecting. Like, the league's been growing year over year in the terms of attendance, but... Like I said, what's really dragging their attendance numbers up are teams like Atlanta, Cincinnati, Seattle, yeah. Portland, these these teams that really have a local ingrained pride with their clubs. Like you if you ever listen to someone who supports the Seattle Sounders, they support the Seattle yeah. Sounders. It's 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 the, the team death. that they love. Like it's but then you look at Chicago, who literally there's no one at that stadium and they suck. Why do they not like they're bad? They're so bad. Why why are they still part of the MLS? Like why like you're purposely in a weird way hurting your own league by not allowing it to be the best league. Like you have so many people in America who care about the sport, right? But the fact that you're so worried about faking the MLS's popularity, having to put out the number like, oh, 10,000 people went to Gillette. No, they didn't. Maybe 10,000 tickets were handed out, but Mm -hmm. clearly only a couple thousand went. And it's like, you'd rather fight that battle than fight the battle of like, "Mm, you know what? Maybe if we let some of these teams from USL Pro come up, they might have better attendance numbers. They might have a better product, but you're never going to find out until we open it up. I just find it so bad because like Chicago sucks. They're bad. There's no one at their games. And yet nothing happens. They're just allowed to continue to be bad. And like, how can you claim that you're the best team in North America? Or I'm sorry, the best team in America if you're just the best team in MLS? Considering right. some, t- some right. of these teams are just in shambles. Like, that's not a good product. You, If you have, you know, three or four or five teams in your league that just suck. I'm thinking right now, like... The Revs, San Jose, uh, Chicago, Colorado, other teams that like they're they have no real chance of making playoffs. What's the point of them being there if they can't even experience relegation? There's no pressure. The players are gonna play, collect their paycheck, and go home. Like it becomes another part of the business. And who wants that? That makes half of the games on TV unwatchable. And when you know the teams suck. More than half. If you only have four or five good teams really putting out a good a good product. That's not even half the league that you want to watch. Right. And it's I think about the Premier League, like, okay, maybe it's a kind of standout example, but I can watch almost any game from the Prem and be thoroughly enjoyed. I watch I could watch, for example, Watford play uh Brighton. I have watched games like that. Like I think that there's a lot of cool storylines in and of themselves, and they're good teams, but and they're fighting for something. So you know that all of the games matter up and down the tables. It's just like but if you're telling me right now that Colorado had we're gonna play Chicago or play the Revs. I don't care. I'm going nowhere near that game. (laughs) I'm not giving it zero of my attention. And mind you, I watch highlights of the games and watch the games every week because we do an MLS show. So, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I I, I do take this content in. I'm not just sitting here saying this as someone who's, like, one of those, like, MLS snobs or or, uh, Euro soccer snobs or, like, ooh, the MLS is stupid. Like, I genuinely partake in watching the games and watching highlights. But when I have to sit through highlights of, like, Colorado versus, like I said, Chicago or whatever it is, it's just awful. Yeah, it's it's just dreadful to watch even. Like, and then a team a team gets beat like five nothing and no one really talks about it. They're just like, oh yeah, they lost five nothing. Mm-hmm. And that as if that's normal. Yeah, it's a thwapping, dude. But honestly, the last kind of question I wanted to talk to you guys about is so do you think, after hearing this, that America's ready for promotion and relegation? America, yes. The owners, no. 
It's funny. I was actually going to ask the same question without even. That's so. That's actually very interesting. That's it's wow. Look at that. Um, <laughs> I want to say yeah, we're ready, but I don't think we are. I just don't think there's enough of like a foundation or like a plan and set. Like if these hundred clubs and everything signed petitions and whatnot, like I want to see someone come up with like a a nitty gritty pyramid that is United States soccer right relegation and promotion. I want it to happen more than anything. Don't get me wrong, but what like what Aggie said too, like these these owners, like you you got to stop the MLS from collecting these fees, and that will make owners m- more okay with losing some of their investment. Yeah, and I think that B summed up my feelings. Like I think I don't think America's ready for it right this second. Um, despite all close of these two hundred teams. Uh, wanting it right I think that a lot of these clubs were signing this petition or signing this letter and it wasn't really about putting in promotion and relegation I think it was more about giving American soccer hope because these clubs exist today and they're able to draw in these crowds today but if they can't if they don't have hope of moving up if they don't have hope of like being able to do something better than just exist the way they do now they might not be around for very long. And it's more about the hope of existing rather than it is about wanting to join the MLS. Like none of these teams are saying, put me in promotions. I want to go to MLS right now. It's, it's about the hope. And I think that the biggest issue is that FIFA, MLS, and United States Soccer Federation just haven't said that they are willing to even hear them out. They're just saying no, no, no. And stating money is their biggest reason why not. And so I think a lot of people would actually be kind of okay with the current situation if they were like, you know what, we're going to instill a plan, like B said, like, let's get a plan in place to enact promotion relegation in five years. Because that means that all of these leagues have then time to uh, stabilize themselves. There's a deadline. So that means that everybody has to, you know, get stuff in proper and it creates an organization. But the the structure that people complain about not having isn't going to be created unless there's a possibility of it existing. But I I don't forget it. It's it's something that's going to take time. You can't pull this off overnight. You can't pull it off in one season. But if you start making steps to get this in place, you can get it right. You can do it. And I think that that's kind of the main point is just tell us that you're going to put in promotion relegation. Tell us that you're willing to listen. Tell us that you want to do it because talked about Chattanooga FC, you know, raising over a million dollars from crowdfunding sources for their club. Like give them some hope, like let them know that this is going to be a thing. And I circle back to that whole thing of why doesn't FIFA mandate it? And that to me is, I think the biggest question that needs to be answered is why don't they impose it or, and will they impose it if there's enough clubs supporting it? Um, but now my question to you guys, do you think MLS will ever actually accept promotion and relegation? I want to say yes, they will one day, but I couldn't tell you when that one day will be. Whether it's the next couple of years, decades, no idea. I hope they do, but... I think if there's enough money involved and they see the potential that they could bring in in terms of viewership and, and all this, I think there's the potential for them to move on it, but we covered the the new appointment of the president and there were candidates who wanted promotion relegation and they weren't elected. And so like that, but in that itself, election was kind of a sham, yeah. but we could, you know, so like that in itself is like own. a rooted foundation. Like even the elections of, for the governing body of our sport is already, is already messed up. So like, what's the point in trying to get this going? But again, I think down the line, like Eddie said, if there, if soccer keeps going on this trajectory, that it is going on like in terms of the women's game and all this i think 
more teams are going to come out of the woodwork and the MLS is going to be like, well, we can't have a 40 team league or like we can't have like 50 teams involved because that's going to make a really big season. So we got to start doing something else. Right. And right now, I think that's a very interesting point. They're at they're at odds with the whole promotion relegation thing because they say they want to grow the league to like a 30 team league, but they want to stop there. They just want to keep it and cap it. But it's like it's going to get to a point where I hope if the MLS doesn't accept it, that the other teams in the in the uh, in America look at each other and go, why are we trying to be an MLS when we can just create our own pyramid and exclude MLS? MLS can still exist as true. a league, yeah. but they don't have to be a part of the pyramid. But another pyramid can exist in America. And why not duke it out competitive style? Point. So, you know, this is we're going to dust off the Culture FC idea board because it's been a while since we've contributed anything to it. But this episode is right at the top. If it works, I'm going to call back to it. Um, <laughs> I think someone should create a league with a plan and start putting teams together without the MLS and without the United States Soccer Federation because clearly they're not going to help and they don't want to partake. So do something on your own, create the system, create the league and hope that it works but I, I say that, but I know it's going to sound like it's difficult without the Federation's support. So, yeah. you know, make the keep making these pleas. Keep signing letters to the soccer president or the United States Soccer Federation president and, and Gianni Infantino and put pressure because hopefully this is something that will happen because I want soccer to matter in the States. And I know there's a huge potential here. There's so many people from so many different parts of the world that immigrate to the United States and have heritage from other parts of the world that love soccer. And I know there's people who absolutely love soccer in this country and want to see it grow but it's being stagnated by the league that is claiming that it's growing american soccer it's very weird and backwards in my mind but yeah i think that's enough of my rant i feel like this has just been one big ranty episode on my part you you love this topic i do it's something that i've been thinking about for years and i've wanted to do this episode on the podcast since the day we started recording this podcast over a year and a half ago and it's just like it never felt like the right time and then finally, after getting seeing this news topic come out and seeing this stuff happening with Chattanooga FC and just being involved a little bit more on Twitter with these smaller clubs around the country, I had to do it. I wanted to do it, and I was very passionate about this. Oh, I can, I, the passion showed. Let me tell you. <laughs> it showed. I it just it drives me nuts because it literally works in every other country right. in the world that, for the most part. That's what this game is. It's fueled by passion. You know what I mean? And that's the point. It's not fueled by money. Because there's many clubs out there in the world that the stadiums are shitty, they're uncovered. If it's raining, fans still go out. And there's no other sport in the world that I think has as many passionate supporters as soccer. And that, to me, is a huge difference. And, I agree. Yeah. Promotion relegation in the books. What are your thoughts? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do we talk about the right things? Do you wish we had more things to talk about? Let us know, tweet at us, comment below, send us messages. You know, I still got those card packs for all those early listeners. If you're listening this far, send me a DM. We'll send you some 1991 Premier League cards. And these are player cards for you guys confused. They're they're actually pretty cool. Player cards, they are wicked cool. I have opened many a pack. But yeah, let us know what you think. Do you think America is ready for promotion and relegation? If so, share this episode with a friend. Let them know. Share it on Facebook. We'd really love it. He's right. We would.